Please pray with me. Gracious God, please send your spirit in this place. Send it in our hearts. Let your presence move through our minds so that in the considering of this text and these words, we may find a word or a message from you. And hopefully a bit of joy in our hearts. All of this we pray in your holy name. Amen. So this past week at staff meeting, uh, we were sitting around discussing things in the service, and MJ mentioned, he said, you know, John, if you're doing a sermon series, it would be helpful to actually mention the sermon series in your sermons. (laughs) So as I mentioned a little bit in the first week of this sermon series, the lectionary for the summer takes us through the book of Genesis. So we're plumbing the depths of this ancient text to find out what Genesis, what this text that's several thousand years old might be able to tell us in our lives today. First week, we looked at uh, hospitality in Houston and the story of Abraham welcoming the angels and talked about the blessings that can come from being hospitable to others that we can find ourselves welcoming angels unawares, not only in our homes, but also in this place right here. And then two weeks ago, the following week, the second tip, again, we looked at this story in Genesis uh, where Abraham and Sarah kick out Hagar and Ishmael from their home, mentioning that this story of rejection is mirrored uh, for so many people in the LGBT community, but also people in other communities but that even in the midst of that despair, people can still find water, can find water through friends, through those around them, through new community, through new family. And that that can give birth to uh, a new culture, a new people. Today, it's, uh, the, the text is slightly different, a little more lighthearted. The text today tells the story of Isaac finding his bride, Rebecca. Now, the story is a self-contained story throughout chapter 24, and the lectionary readers, or the lectionary sort of compilers didn't want to have, to have us read through all 70 verses. They thought the reading that we heard was long enough, so they cut out about half of it. But it doesn't really give you a good context of what's going on here and uh, how it's developing. So I figured I'd read a little bit of the story myself, and since we're going back to ancient words, I'm like, why not use an old translation like the King James Version. So, I give you now some of the King James Version from Genesis chapter 24. And Abraham was old and well stricken with age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Now many of you have already found significant others or life partners Others of us have not. And if you are out on the dating scene, you know that in 21st century America, 
a dating scene, it's not easy. You see, today, people find dates and others primarily through online applications of one form or another. Now, this is great because it allows you to sit, sit in the comfort of your home and connect with people. The problem is the choices become overwhelming and the number of dates you can end up setting up is really mind-bending. I remember my sister in her 20s, she was getting on Match.com or OkCupid or one of these. Uh, they purportedly are trying to connect people together that are actually compatible, but when you actually ask people, they basically just look at someone's pictures and decide whether they want to go on a date. Anyway, my sister was complaining. She's like, John, she's like, I spend all my time either talking online or going on dates, and I'm still not having any luck. I'll go on three dates scheduled this week and three dates next week, and who knows what's going to happen. The same thing can happen at any age of life. My roommate in Cambridge, she'd been single for a while, and so in her 50s, she decided to get back into the, get back into the mix. Again, she fired up one of, these, uh, one of these applications, and she was so frustrated that she gave up within two weeks. I remember when I was in Iowa, uh, I lived in Ames, and I made the long trek from Ames down to Des Moines for this date and had this dinner date. Of course, I could tell within five minutes this wasn't going to work out. But then I had to go through this entire date and then drive back. I remember telling my roommate about this, and he's like, John, you're amateur. He's like, that's why you have to have coffee as the first date. And so the, 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 the struggles that are here, you, you, we, can, we can read this ancient text, and we're like, aha, here's a solution. Just let our parents decide. <laughs> Here's Abraham taking it upon himself to try and find a spouse for his son Isaac, uh, who at this point is still grieving the loss of his mother Sarah, which happened in the previous chapter. And I know that there are probably many parents here who would love the opportunity to choose a spouse for your son or daughter, knowing that uh, you probably have the wisdom of years and could make a better choice. Uh, and I'm sure that if my father was still alive, he would love to choose a spouse for me, but something tells me that she and I wouldn't get along as well as he would hope. <laughs> the text continues. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again into the land from whence thou camest? Makes sense that she would actually want to meet the person she's going to marry. But. And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou that thou bring not my son thither again. The Lord, the God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed I will give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing, and if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed, for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, unto the city of Nahor. Here we see a second piece of advice coming from Genesis. Forget your parents. Find a good matchmaker. Someone like this servant. Someone who can say, hey, I got someone just for you. Let's make this happen. I was on a plane uh, coming back from General Synod on Tuesday, 
And as often the case, I was a little bored in the long plane flight, so I reached into the pocket in front of me and took out uh, the Southwest Airlines book and flipping through. One of the first ads I saw was for uh, a concierge dating service uh, called It's Just Lunch. And I was like, oh, what's this? So it turns out uh, that if you're a busy single professional, you can pay for someone to be the matchmaker for you. They can be like Abraham's servant, and they'll match other people in their database, and they'll even set up the, they'll even set up the dates for you. Now, interestingly, they don't mention the price in the advertisement. <laughs> but I was curious, so I decided to do a little research when I got back. Turns out, uh, year subscriptions vary from like $1,800 to $4,000 for the service. And they'll promise you at least one date a month uh, for that that price. And you go online and you find their Yelp reviews. I've never seen an organization with more one-star Yelp reviews in my life. (laughs) And as you go through, it's actually pretty amusing to read like one horror story after another after another, people trying to get their money back. There was even a class action lawsuit at one point brought against, it's just lunch. But once you sign the check, there are no refunds. Matchmakers can work, but then again, Sometimes not so well. I uh, have inadvertently been involved in bringing together couples in the past. I know I might not look like a matchmaker to you, um, but several years ago when I was preaching on this, in Sunday morning at the Harvard pulpit, you know, usually I would preach in the daily service or the evening service for students, but every once in a while would preach in the big Sunday morning service. And a good friend of mine from college was visiting. He'd have been there otherwise. And it just so happens... In the pew behind her was a young man who took a fancy tour and introduced himself afterwards, and two years later, they were married. Were it not for me, this marriage would have happened. See, one more reason to come to church. And a few years before then, I, was, uh, I had a brief stint, some of you might know, I had a brief stint working as an investment banker, uh, doing sort of M&A transactions, but like bottom person on the totem pole, so... You're buried in Excel spreadsheets for 100 hours a week. I'm not joking, 100 hours a week plus. And when I finally decided that that the world of high finance was not my calling and decided to leave the firm, um, I had a great love for the firm and tried to help find my replacement and actually was able to convince one of my friends from college to apply for the job, and he got it. Well, in the next cube over, it was a woman, Elizabeth, and within four months, they were engaged. And now they've been married all this time, three wonderful kids, happy as can be. Again, had I not quit my job, (laughs) this wouldn't have happened. Matchmaker. There's more to the story, though. And the servant made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water, even at the time of evening, even the time that the women go out to draw the water. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, and wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled up her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water from thy pitcher. I don't know if that's the best pickup line, but... There you go. Here's another piece of advice. You want to find someone to date, you know, again, you got to go to the right places. And apparently, in the ancient world, it was the well. That's where you found it. 
I mean, again, you see a few chapters later, Rachel and Jacob, they hook up together first at a well of water. Uh, Moses, where does he find his wife? Zipporah finds her at a well of water. Jesus, if he were into that thing, uh, could have found the Samaritan woman at a well of water. So you just have to find a good well or a good watering hole, as the case may be. (laughs) There have long been pieces of advice on this type of thing. Uh, The ancient Roman poet Ovid wrote uh, an early work called Ars Armatoria, The Art of Love. It's one of the first instruction booklets on uh, how to uh, be successful with with, uh, romantic partners. And I still remember reading this through when I was in high school. And there's this one section where Ovid suggests, he's like, if you really want to get lucky, what you got to do is go to the right places. And he suggests going to the circus, that is the racetrack. So he said, you go to the racetrack. He said, the good thing about the racetrack is you find someone you want to sit next to, but because they're benches, you're, you're forced to sit really close. And then you sort of lean in and you say, uh, so what, uh, what horse are you cheering for? Well, I'm cheering for the red team. Oh, that's, that's my team too, the red team. I love the red team. And then you might, uh, someone's got their knees in the back of uh, the woman next to you. You say, hey, hey, stop with that, please. Stop with that. You know, I'm looking out for her. Or you wipe off a fleck of dust from her breast, whether the dust is there or not, according to Ovid. <laughs> Next thing you know, all is well. <laughs> Except if you know the story of Ovid, you know that Augustus exiled him uh, not long after this. And uh, historians think that one of the reasons for his exile was Ars Amatoria, And perhaps that someone in Augustus' family took the advice a little bit too much to heart. So you've got to be careful of that. There's one other thing that comes up in this passage that I would be remiss if I didn't mention. In verse 53, after the servant meets Rebecca and goes to meet Rebecca's family and you know, talks to Rebecca's family, then it adds, and the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave to her brother and to her mother precious things. Apparently, lots of money helps. <laughs> I won't go into details about that. You can use your own imagination. But I was reading this through and thinking about this advice. I'm like, well, what if, what if you don't want your parents to set you up or a matchmaker? What if you're tired of going to bars? And what if you don't have a huge dowry uh, or equivalent to offer? Then where are you left at? It's interesting to read this text a little bit more closely. One thing the text has that's remarkable is it has a remarkable uh, statement on the nature of providence, divine guidance in our lives. Abraham begins the story by seeing his son uh, alone and still grieving his mother, and he wants to do something about it as a father. So he decides, he makes the choice to try and do some action, make something happen. But he's very clear to say when he says to his servant, this might not work out. Well, let's try it anyway. And when the serpent gets to the well, the first thing he does is he kneels down in prayer and he says, God, let's hope this works. God, the first person that comes up and I ask for a drink of water, if she not only gives me a drink, but's generous enough to bring water for all 10 of the camels that I have with me, then that'll be a sign. And it happens. Literally, just as he finishes praying, there's Rebecca, just as happenstance. And then it also is fortunate that he goes to talk to Rebecca's family. He's like, hey, what, what convinces them is, he's like, this, this happened. 
Like, I made this prayer, and then she came up. This has got to be something worthwhile. And, his, and Rebecca's family was like, yes, there's something here. And then Rebecca says yes afterwards. There are these series of coincidences that happen that could have gone any other way, and then looking back on them, it's almost as though they were meant to be. My father met my mother uh, at a junior league cocktail party in Boston. Now, my father made it very clear these were not his types of events, did not like going to them at all, but he had promised a friend he'd go. So what he decided to do was go at the very end so he could just go in, say hi, and then leave. So he reluctantly shows up at this junior league cocktail party, and he walks in, and he sees uh, this woman talking to a few guys in the corner. He thinks she's pretty attractive, so he goes over and immediately inserts himself into the conversation and says, Hi. And the party breaks up a few minutes later, and so he says to her, he said, do you want to go play tennis? And she's like, sure. And he's like, what about now? And she's like, okay, it's 11 o'clock at night. This is a little unusual, but sure, I'm game. So my father took my mother to a bar nearby that had one of those early arcade games that was a tennis game. (laughs) And there they played tennis. And that's how they met. A chance encounter at a chance party that someone happened to ask him to go to. And then they were together for uh, 33 years of very happy marriage. Of one little chance meeting. My brother met my sister-in-law because they lived in the same apartment building, one floor apart. Now, my brother's a very social guy. He put himself out there, so he made the invitation to the girls in the apartment upstairs. Hey, let's all go ahead and get drinks. And the rest is history. What's your story if, you have, if you've been with someone? Where'd you find that person? What happened? Could it have been otherwise? Looking back on things, do you notice a bit of providence there? Something more than happenstance? That perhaps something was meant to be? It becomes clearer and clearer over the years, especially if your marriage or relationship brings you closer and closer together. It seems almost as though, how could it have been otherwise? And somehow that's the way providence seems to work. It's chance, but somehow it seems like more than chance. And there's an important piece of advice here, I think, also for all of us single people. And that is that the servant has the humility to say, you know what? This is not in my hands. Servant says, God, if this is to be, let's make this happen. So often people get caught up in the rat race and beating themselves up over, oh, I haven't found the right person, or I haven't found the right person, or this isn't going to work out for me. And I think this text has a little acknowledgement saying, you know what? You can put yourself out there as much as you can, but in the final analysis, something else needs to click. And it's outside your hands. And that can give you a bit of humility in, the, in this process uh, to keep you going and say, hey, you never know. Maybe tomorrow will be the day. Who knows, maybe tomorrow will be the day for me.